0: Thanks for joining us for today's message. Our mission here at Plum Creek is to help you experience intimacy with God, intentionality with family, and influence with others. Our hope is that what you hear today will impact and challenge you to love God and the people around you in a whole new way. We'd encourage you to check us out online at PlumCreekOnline.com to see how Plum Creek is impacting our community and what opportunities we might have for you or for your family to get connected. If you'd like to support the ministry we're doing here in Castle Rock, the two easiest ways are through our website, PlumCreekOnline.com give or via text. Just text any dollar amount to 720-606-5563. Thanks again for joining us today.
1: For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread, and he gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it into pieces, and he said, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it i'm not sure how your ride in today was but i'll bet you you had to avoid a couple of bicycles didn't you yeah so i'm not going to ride this bike but i remember the first time i did ride a bike do you remember the first time you rode a bike do you remember the first time you got on and didn't have to think about it anymore but you did exactly Whatever it would take to get it to be moving forward, balanced perfectly, and even use the handlebars to steer. Do you remember what that was like? That's big time, right? Do you remember that? Big. To- I remember teaching our kids how to ride their bikes. Some learn easier than others. But have you ever thought about? Have you ever thought about all that has to go through your mind in order to ride a bike? It's actually a bigger deal than you think it is momentum moving forward and you've got balance and you've got steering and it's not as easy as you think and that's why it takes us a little while to get there but I can remember the first time that I rode my bike we were living in in uh, Wheaton Illinois and our neighbor Mr. Morris had a really long driveway and I had just gotten to the place where I I could balance my bike and I could ride and, and I was very excited about it I can remember heading down his driveway thinking dude I am legit now I have freedom. I am mobile, <clears throat> and I can ride my bike. And oh no, I have no idea how to stop. Yeah, you remember those days? And so I just bailed. I jumped off the bike and landed in a pricker bush. That is exactly what happened. I remember that. Uh, you know, uh, scientists and those that study our mind would call the ability now to get on a bike and ride something they call muscle memory. Have you heard of that before? There's lots of ways that we can that we can see muscle memory at work. Some of you. Some of you experience that because maybe you play an instrument and we watch you play your instruments and just like marvel at your ability to make your hand hands do what they do and play notes that actually sound good. Or maybe it's typing. You think about some of you think about typing because you do this. But if you actually know, remember, we used to have to take a class to know how to type. Now our kids are like five and they know how to type, right? And you do it without thinking until you're like working on a paper or typing something and, and you an email and you realize that you've moved your hand over one key, but you didn't really pay attention until you look down at what you've written and it's like totally the wrong jumbled mess. And you're like, no, mindless activity, muscle memory. There's lots of ways that we can, <clears throat> that we can see muscle memory at work, things that become embedded in our long-term memory that we do without thinking. Um, the challenge that we have today ...as we're going to have opportunity to take communion today... ...is to understand something embedded in this passage of Scripture that is absolutely amazing. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, that passage that I just read to you two times... Uh, ...Jesus says something very, very powerful, and I want them to stick out in your mind today. So we're going to read through this verse again, starting in verse 23. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, starting at verse 23. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. <clears throat> on the night he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread... And he gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it into pieces and he said, this is my body, which is given for you. Now look at this next sentence. Do this, and what's the word? In remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying this cup is the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood. Uh Uh-oh, here it is again. Do this in remembrance of me. As often as you drink it, and we hear the word "remember," and most of us think of recalling some information, right? Students, excuse me. You can remember studying for your finals not too long ago, praying that you would remember what you've studied, right? Um, And when you get to be my age, you just want to remember where you put the keys, right? That's what you (laughs) want to remember. Uh, That's not actually the kind of remembering that we're talking about here. Uh, You know, last week, this is this is appropriate that we're talking about this today. Last weekend was what? Memorial Day, right? Memorial Day, and we we pause to remember, to think, and to be grateful for our freedom. Uh, Some of you know that we have special days on our calendar that, that remind us of certain things, like Mother's Day, right? Mother's Day, we pause to remember and think about our moms, and guys, you know how important it is to not forget your anniversary, right? Like, you forget your anniversary, and now you're in trouble. Well, just this week, it was Kind of a tough week, to be honest with you, uh, for me, and for a lot of other people too. One of our dear friends in a Plum Creeker named uh, Pat Larson was forty-one years old and passed away from leukemia. And so we held his service here on Thursday. Uh, room was jam-packed full of people that came to a service that we called Pat's memorial service, right? And heard lots of stories about Pat. We talked about Pat and the legacy that his life left. And and uh, we we paused. To remember. It's a very different kind of remembering, though, that Jesus is talking about in this passage of Scripture. The word remember in this passage is a deep kind of muscle memory, like remembering how to ride a bike without having to think about it. What Jesus is saying, and remember, this is on the other side of the cross, right? He hasn't been to the cross yet, but what he was saying to his guys is, hey, everything's changing. And uh, I don't want you to forget. As a matter of fact, you'll understand a little more. Give me a couple days, but I want this to be so ingrained in you that it changes who you are. And pretty soon you're going to remember this without even thinking. And it's going to change the way you think. It's going to change the way you relate to each other. It's going to change the way you think about our time here on this earth. And it's going to change the way you think about eternity. It's going to change, but it's all going to happen out of the overflow of your heart. But I want you to remember like muscle memory. You see, it goes far, far beyond simply remembering the facts about what Jesus did for us. We need to remember. And so today, as we head into a time where we're going to take communion together, we're going to remember the past. We're going to remember the present. And we're going to remember the future. And my prayer today is that we'd be able to do what Jesus has told us to do, that all of a sudden, this remembering would just become who we are. And we live different because of it. Um, just this year, uh, some Plum Creekers, uh, Blair and Tracy Corshen, invited Beth and I and our family over for a Seder meal. Have you ever done that before, a Seder meal? They're powerful. If you haven't done one, you really need to someday. Uh, Blair grew up uh, in a Jewish family and understands now that Jesus is the Messiah, so he understands the Passover meal well because it was part of their uh, celebrating, part of the religious DNA of their home, and so he's written a book about it. It's actually fascinating to read. About the symbolism of the Seder dinner, and and it's the Passover meal that Jesus was having with his with his disciples that celebrates the deliverance of the Jews from the Egyptians. And you remember the ten plagues that hit the Egyptians because they were holding the Israelites captive. Do you remember that? Do you remember the last the last of the plagues was uh, was the angel of death that came to take the firstborn of every family in Egypt. Let me read the passage to you in Exodus twelve thirteen because this Passover meal that Jesus was celebrating is embedded into the story of God's deliverance of his people from, from the Egyptians. This is what they, the nation of Israel was told to do. Look at Exodus twelve thirteen. "...but the blood on your doorposts will serve as a sign marking the houses where you are staying. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. The plague of death will not touch you when I strike the land of Egypt." You see, God told the Jews that if they would place the blood of a lamb on their doorposts, that when the angel came, that they, would be, that they would be passed over. And that's why we celebrate the Passover. But now, now we're in the New Testament, and it's totally different today than it was then. We celebrate a, a New Testament understanding of communion because Jesus became the Passover lamb. You see, all have sinned and deserved death, but Jesus brought the gift of eternal life to us. How did that happen? Well, if you look at the New Testament, you can see very clearly that this was his role. This is why he came, to put God's love on display for us. As a matter of fact, in one instance, Jesus walks up to a crowd, and there's a guy named John the Baptist there. Maybe you've heard of him. And I want you to listen to what he said in John 1.29. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, now look what he said, look, the, and what's the word? Lamb, the Lamb of God. And look what the Lamb of God does who takes away the sin of the world. Romans 3.23, many of you have heard it before, says the wages of sin, or or that we have all, everyone has sinned. We fall short of God's glorious standard. And the one I started to quote there is actually Romans 6.23, the next verse, that says the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Because Jesus became the Passover lamb, then all of a sudden, this Last Supper has now initiated a new covenant, a new covenant. That passage that we read in 1 Corinthians where Jesus is walking his disciples through that communion together, the first communion together, it says this, in the same way he took the cup of wine after supper saying, this cup is the, and what's the words there? New covenant, new covenant between God and his people. See, there was the old way of doing things and now there's the new way of doing things. And That's why Jesus came and that's what we're celebrating We're celebrating this new covenant, this new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this, and there's what we're looking at today, do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. Hundreds of years before Jesus did what he did, before Jesus even walked the planet, the prophet Isaiah said this in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 5, but he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so that we could be whole. He was whipped so that we could be healed. There's a lot in that verse. Because of what Jesus did on the cross now, we're different people. Because his body was broken, our transgressions and our wrongdoings can be forgiven. That's a spiritual healing. Because his body was broken, we can have peace. That's an emotional healing. Because of his body being broken, our wounds can be made whole. That's a physical healing. And Then we are told that because of what he went through on the cross, we can experience forgiveness, and that's a spiritual healing. This is a big deal. This is what Jesus was telling us would change the way that we think and that we would remember in a different kind of way. The bread reminds us of the healing that Jesus offers us, and then he offered that cup saying it was his blood. A sacrifice to see forgiveness and experience forgiveness. And so the cup reminds us that Jesus forgives our sins. And Jesus infused new meaning into the cup and the unleavened bread. See, this was different now. A whole different thing than they had experienced before. He, he held these familiar symbols and proclaimed the new life that you and I can have because of what Jesus did on the cross. And all we have to do is receive his gift and then do what he said. Remember. 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 Let it change you. Let it become who you are. That your life then be, becomes an expression of what he's done for us. And so I was thinking about this as I was preparing for my thoughts. This is really deep, philosophical. You might wanna, even though you don't have a journey guide this week, you might wanna write this one down. This is, this is really deep. I believe that Jesus told us that we need to remember, Are you ready? Because we're prone to forget. We're prone to forget. That's probably more spiritual than you think. It's probably deep reality in each of our lives. He wants us to remember because we have a tendency to forget. And so we do things like celebrate communion together, remembering the past, that it's not exclusively remembering and understanding what Jesus did, but it's also about making it personal. And I was thinking again this week, wouldn't it be fun for me anyway To have an opportunity to sit with you, have a cup of coffee, and have you share with me the moment, the very moment where you, for the first time in your life, didn't understand what Jesus did here, but you understood it here. When what you understood intellectually and maybe theologically became personal to you. I would love to know that story. I would love to know how that happened. Some of you have shared it with me even this weekend. I know some of your stories. It's pretty dramatic. Do you remember how excited you were to understand that what Jesus did he did for you? Wow. That's a big deal and we need to remember that well. We need to remember. So we need to remember the past and we also need to remember the present. This is where things get pretty exciting and Romans chapter 8, verse 11, it says this. The Spirit of God, imagine this. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Wow, that's awesome. That's what we celebrate today. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, listen to this. He will give life to your mortal bodies. And sometimes we look at that and we think, oh, that's got to just be about eternity. Wait a minute, look. No, that's about right now here today. The power of the Holy Spirit at work in you and me, and that's something we need to remember so that as when things get difficult, as life brings its challenge, we can lean back into the strong arms of our God knowing that we remember almost naturally, just like riding a bike once you've learned, that the Spirit of God is at work in us, bringing life so that we can live for Him. This will change the way that we live. But you know, it's not just about the past and it's not just about the present, but we get excited because we know that eternity is a reality. But we struggle. We struggle to live with an eternal perspective, remembering that we're challenged even by the words of Jesus to not store up our treasures here on earth, but where are we to store them? Well, that brings a different perspective and way of living. And it's hard to do, right? It's another thing that's easy to say, but hard to do because we get caught up in the here and now. <clears throat> this is part of what What I think is, um, for me anyway, the biggest challenge and the biggest kind of grounding, recalibrating moment that I have when we walk through a week like we did last week, celebrating Pat's life, it's just a reminder that life is precious. It's, It's a reminder that we don't have a guarantee for tomorrow. It's a reminder as well because Pat gave his heart to Jesus that he's today experiencing God's presence in a whole new way. You see, that gives us an eternal perspective, and there's something about a celebration of life or a memorial for someone who's passed away that just shakes us a little bit, that helps us to think differently about today, knowing that it's not just about today, that there are other things that matter. As a matter of fact, the writer of Ecclesiastes put it this way, God has created us for eternity. Look at Ecclesiastes 3.11. He has also put eternity in their hearts. There's something in us. There's something in us that draws us to the understanding of eternity. We must learn to live for eternity, not for the time that we have here. We're to live our lives in time with eternity as a backdrop because God is eternal. And that's e- easier said than done. The Apostle Paul said this to the church in Ephesus. He said this in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. So be careful how you live. Be careful how you live. Live different. But let it be like riding a bike. We hardly even have to think about it because it's just natural. Be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. And then 1 Peter chapter 4, look at verse 7. The end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. You see, living with an eternal perspective affects our priorities doesn't it it affects our it affects our actions it affects the way that we do marriage and the way that we parent and the way that we go to work and the way we interact with our neighbors and it impacts the way that we interact with each other changes when we look into someone's eyes and we realize that it's a window to their soul and we ask god to help us see what he sees so that we treat people differently We love different, we care different. We need to remember, we need to remember the past, we need to remember the present and we need to remember the future. But most importantly, we need to remember that this has to be personal, it has to be personal. It can't just be something that I've talked about or you've heard someone else talk about or something that you've read. It has to be personal, you have to really get this you have to remember what Jesus did for you. And today my prayer is that somehow we would be able to recap. I wish that I could show you the HD version of what Jesus did on the way to the cross and on the cross, and I'll bet you we would struggle to watch it. It would blow your mind. I bet it would hurt. I bet if we had a chance to really see it for real today that we would be that we would almost be paralyzed to move to the communion tables today in appreciation for what God did for us. Today my prayer is that somehow we could recapture and remember the reality of this. How can I I take you back to the cross? I wish there was a way emotionally that I could do that today. Um, So we were planning this service together and Craig showed us a video and it's powerful, it's a powerful video. So let me set it up by reminding you of something. Um, on that Friday, when Jesus was taken captive, there were three criminals that were supposed to die on a cross that day. Did you know that? Three criminals. And Jesus wasn't one of them. But in the process of Jesus' trial, they had a practice where they would free somebody. And they freed this guy, a criminal. And instead of that criminal dying on that cross, Jesus did. And that should grab your heart today. And so my prayer, will you bow your head, is that in this moment, somehow, he would do what I can. not And that he would take you back to the place where just like riding a bike, it becomes part of who you are remembering what he did. God, with our heads bowed and our hearts quieted before you today, will you now take the words that we're gonna hear and Lord, will you soften our hearts? Help us to recapture once again your incredible love for us. Speak to us, God. In your name we pray, amen.
2: We see the story of Jesus going to the cross and everything seems to kind of be hand in hand. And then there's this one character that seems to interrupt the narrative. His name's Barabbas. We don't even know much about him except that he's a murderer, a leader of an insurrection, a rebel, and why he's even mentioned, sometimes I'm not so sure. It's like, what? Let's, this is about Jesus going to the cross. So in this moment, Pilate thinks, I hold the destinies of these two men in my hand. I know the Jews have a tradition that on a holy day, I will release one of the prisoners on death row. Pilate stands on this audacious stage who now presents Jesus, son of the living God, versus Barabbas, the thug and rebel. He says, all right, who do you want? This is blasphemy. This is, this is gone too far. There's no comparison. This is a rightful prisoner, a man who should be on death row. He's a rebel against Rome. He leads a rebellion, he murders people. He's a bad man, he's a thug and he's a crook. He deserves the chains and he deserves the crucifixion. Jesus, what has he done but heal, restore, deliver, set free? Open blind eyes, open deaf ears, heal the lame and the leper. What what has Jesus done? Who do you want? We, we want Barabbas. Yeah. Give us Barabbas. knowledge the free gift yeah but i love barabbas while we were still sinners christ died for us god sent his son for barabbas even the one he knew would walk away from jesus and his free gift and never come back he loves him and the nerve the call and the audacity of believers to think got saved by grace but now that I'm in this deep dark place of bondage I better work hard to get myself out what that's the opposite of the gospel are you bound are you held under the power of this temptation this sin the sexual urges do you feel like it's controlling you what are you going to do i'm gonna shake myself free stop it no you won't you're no match for the powers of hell and the urges of sin and sexual temptation you will not overcome it and you will never overcome it you'll just be another statistic there's no answer within yourself your own marriage your own goodness your own discipline your own devotion will not save your marriage and will not save your kids And he's the one that took your place. He's the one that stood silently on the platform with Pilate and said, yes, let him have Barabbas. Take me. How many times have I stood on that platform with Pilate and Jesus, and I'm the Barabbas? And they start to take my chains off, and I say, no, no, I deserve this. I deserve the guilt, I deserve the shame, I deserve the consequence, I deserve it. Jesus seems to look at me, say, no, son, let me have it. Let me have your sin, let me have your pain. No, God, I did it to myself, I deserve it. My marriage won't make it. This is what I deserve. I deserve divorce. I deserve poverty. I deserve sickness. I deserve it all. No! God, I say, I'm so ashamed. Give me your shame. But God, what if I do it again? God, I don't want to hurt you. I love you, I I don't want to do this anymore. Give me your sins, This is all we got. It's all I got, it's all you got. We can play games, we can play church games. We can pretend like some people are better than others and that's why they're blessed or we can all come to the honest conclusion that it's God and it's God alone. The greatest challenge is not your discipline, your devotion, your focus. Your greatest challenge is believing the gospel. Could it be that there's a God with a love so scandalous, so wide, so deep, so vast, so high, so expansive, so welcoming, so inclusive? Let me have your sin, son. Okay. When I give him my sin, I stand in this empty space of forgiveness and acceptance while Jesus walks off to the cross that I deserve. I see him. I see him walking to the post to be whipped. As I stand a free man, all the attention is turned now. And I feel the love of God saying, go son, live your life. I'll pay the price. Where did we get off thinking that we were going to ourselves free it's still Jesus it'll always be Jesus it'll never stop being the power of Jesus if his blood is sufficient for your salvation his blood is sufficient to sustain you through every challenge and every sin and every temptation Jesus is enough.
1: Listen to me. There's there's an enemy.
2: And he is real. And he does not want you to get that. doesn't want you, he doesn't want me, to get that Jesus took what we deserved.
1: And it's not because somehow we clean it up just a little bit enough to be able to deserve that love. No way. And he's got us so twisted in our hearts He's got us so twisted in our souls that somehow we think that we're going to be able to make our way out of the mess on our own. And it's not going to happen. And I'll bet you there's some of you, like me here today, that are tired of trying. But you see, the enemy of our soul, he wants us to think that somehow, if we just can be good enough, do enough, that somehow we're going to work our way to favor with God. Stop. It's already there. That's the good news. That's how much he loves us. And when we get that, when you really get that, you wanna ride that bike. And it will change your life. And you know what's gonna happen? You're gonna be tempted to slip back into old ways of thinking and you're gonna get tempted to do stuff that you really shouldn't be doing that you know is ultimately detrimental to your life anyway. God says, my spirit, the same spirit that raised me from the dead is at work in you. Together we can do it. Stop trying on your own. You see, this is game-changing stuff, guys. So Jesus says to you and he says to me, hey, just do this. Remember really good. Remember. And when you remember like that, it's, it's just muscle memory. We navigate the challenges of life. We keep our eyes on Jesus. We remember eternity is real. We the only reason, the only reason we look back is to see the cross, knowing, knowing that He's got a plan for today and for eternity. And that's a game changer. Will you bow your heads for just a moment? You see, this is why, this is why we pause to remember, so that our hearts can once again. Just be fixed on Jesus' eyes, on Jesus's love, on the price that he paid. And I know in a room this size, listen, some of you, you've probably heard about this stuff before. You've heard about it. Maybe you've read about it. <clears throat> but a few moments ago when I said I wished I could have a cup of coffee with you and you share with me the moment that it became more than just an intellectual understanding but became something personal, uh, you would have said, Doug, I don't think I have that moment. Maybe right now you can. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, why don't you just pray with me? God, I'm tired of trying to do this on my own. I'm never going to be right enough or good enough. But it doesn't matter. Because you've already paid the price for me. And so today, I ask for your forgiveness. I ask that you would, Lord, help me to fully embrace the, the cross, what you did there you did for me and help me now to understand that that's not where it stopped but you came out of that grave and that same spirit that helped you get out of that grave is at work in me to help me get out of my stuff too to help me get out of my mess and to help me live differently and to help me to have the development of that muscle memory that it lets it change the way I think and act the way that I do life and the way that I look forward to eternity Lord will you help us to live that way Lord, for all of us today, help us to remember well. Uh, And now, God, do what I can't, speak to us again. As we take communion together, let it be special this morning. Uh, Help us to remember what you've done well, and help us to make it personal.
0: If you made a decision to follow Jesus for the first time today, congratulations. We are so excited for you, and we'd love to equip you with some resources, some next steps, and a complimentary gift. Just text the word FAITH to 40650. And if today you just need to talk to someone or would like to have someone pray with you, you can call our church office at 303-663-1714, and one of our pastors would be happy to spend some time with you. From everyone here at Plum Creek, have a great day.